Hey team, welcome back and welcome to a special series of Transition Talk. In this space, we talk about dental transitions and how to navigate the sometimes messy path of practice ownership. As we've discussed, sometimes ownership leads to a transition that isn't to a private buyer. How do those work? Why would I do it and why wouldn't I? In this special four-part series, we will tackle the corporate sale and all the things you need to know to approach those educated and armed with the facts. Well, we are so excited to dive deep into this topic over the next few parts, and we are bringing in some reinforcements for this and have a special guest, Mr. Brett Pierce. Welcome back, Brett. Thanks for having me. This is clearly a type of transition that is not a fit for everyone, but is such an important topic to be educated on. As always, our goal is to make the complicated simple, to share our perspective and knowledge so that you're equipped to know the available routes when it's your time to exit ownership. We'll do our best to simplify all that these transitions entail, but make no mistake, going through a corporate transition is not for the faint of heart, and we highly suggest you have a team in place. Clearly, we're a little biased here, but think we do a great job and would love to be part of your team. There's no question that you have heard someone in your circle discuss an offer or have a friend or friend of a friend who has sold, and whether they're considering it themselves and have had an offer or simply discussing the elusive EBITDA, I promise we'll get to EBITDA. First, we're going to start the series with a few big questions. Probably the most important one is why, followed closely by are you ready? There isn't one answer and isn't one solution, but it's important that you've seriously thought about why you're wanting this change and if you're ready to make it. We have, like I mentioned, some big guns here with us today. We have Brett Pierce. Brett, like we talked about way back when he joined us for the for a previous episode, started his world in the private equity world and has some great ties. He also runs EDA, Elite Dental Alliance, which is a premier buying club, and therefore talks to hundreds, if not thousands of dentists per month about these important topics, how to streamline your practice, and then helps out and helps us run the National Dental Placement Corporate Transition Group, where we help you do this very thing. And so thank you for joining us today. And then, of course, Mr. Loretto, welcome, welcome, welcome. Man, sharing the big stage with uh, Brett and Christy, I am honored. And honestly, in the squad cast, I don't know if it's like this for you, but I get like half a box for me. So I feel like I'm more, but you probably all, <laughs> Brett probably has like the whole screen just for him, yeah. you know? Yeah, I'm so, eliminated we're two big, two big Texas boys. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> really, Charles. We're going to talk about how you bring that perspective from the cane water side of things. Getting ready financially is such a big deal. But before we dive into all of those topics, I really want to focus, and I, I know that we all three, we talked about this prior to starting this episode, we all three have these conversations weekly, if not daily. And the main thing that I think we all strive to understand in these conversations is why are we talking, right? When we're talking to a client, what are you trying to achieve right now, right? Why in this moment are you we wanting to talk about transition? And this is true, private or corporate, but I think in corporate, it's particularly important because I think some people kind of come and start thinking about corporate because they hear, as Brett always says, their friend's dog walker who got, you know, 20 times EBITDA, right? And that's an enticing number. And so it always kind of pulls you in maybe before you're ready. So I think this conversation we're having today is really, really important in the corporate transition space. So before we get super granular, I just kind of want to talk high level because I know we have these conversations and I think those are the most kind of interesting part of this. What is your experience, both of you, in having these calls and any kind of recent ones that maybe kind of are good and kind of representative of of why we're having this talk today? So first thing I want to say is this whole transition space is incredible. As a firm, 
you know, at Cane Waters, we literally have several thousand people a year that inquire about our services. And over half of every inquiry is about wanting to buy or sell something. And so then you take these thousand plus leads that you get and everyone's looking to buy or sell something. And there's some type of component with about half of those with, you know, should we sell the corporate? Should I buy this and turn it? I got a vision to go three, four, five practices. So, and then eventually sell, like, how do I do that? And I heard this guy get X amount of EBITDA. So there is so much activity and so much, I think, just noise. But when you put it in perspective, I was telling somebody the other day is, I think there's certain brands that have done an amazing job of marketing their kind of private equity group to the entire nation. And we had a call the other night with MB2, and I, I hats off to them. They have done an amazing job of bringing their name to all of dentistry. And Brad, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but they have 300 practices. You know what I mean? People are worrying about this whole thing just be completely taken over. There's like 150,000 dentists. I'm not concerned that one of these brands is all of a sudden three to five years is going to take over 150,000 practices. They're very specific of what they're looking for, and it's not for everybody. So first of all, this space is extremely busy with activity, but a lot of it is is a little bit of a noise, a lot of communication. The transactions are small, the numbers of them, but the activity and the noise, it's daily. And that's why we're having this series is so that we can just educate you the reality, you know, is really what's going on. Yeah, those are really good points. The heightened level of activity this year, I would guess, has eclipsed any other previous year in terms of transactions of any kind. That's on the forefront of everybody's mind. Private equity money and corporate money is kind of flooding into this space for a variety of reasons financially that we may or may not get into. But, you know, this corporate transitions conversation the whole point of this first podcast is for everyone to understand, like, why is it that this is interesting to you? There are a slew of reasons that we're going to get get into in the next segment. But and these are very personal decisions. Like, why does this matter to you? Why are you interested in this? Are these viable reasons? Are they financial reasons? Are they emotional reasons? Why are they? And I think between Charles, Christy and myself, like myself, particularly on the deal side, getting through all of that noise that Charles mentioned is by far the most important first step in this process. And so I think that's what we'll get into later as we move on. Yeah. You know, we talked a lot about Cane Waters, of course, but this doesn't have to be about Cane Waters, if you're a Cane Waters client or not, or you're a young dentist just kind of listening in. Wherever you are as a dentist, you have to be able to kind of see where you're at. You could be a 30-year-old that maybe is on an owner to be a 40-year-old that's working hard with three kids and, you know, struggling and just emotionally and, and not sure we are financially. And so ultimately... This decision is about you as an owner. This decision about I own something and is my practice suited for this corporate buyer? Most importantly, is my financial plan suited for me and my family? Because in the end, you're going to give up something. You know, you're not just going to get six, seven, eight, ten EBITDA, X millions of dollars without giving something up. And so when I mean having a financial plan, it is clear. It is defined. Someone's looking across at you. If you're a 45-year-old, you've got million, two million after-tax investments. You've got X amount in the tax-deferred investments. You've got X amount of real estate. You've got debt and all these various things. You've got no debt. You've got goals to work, how long you want to practice. Your practice is at a certain level. The, the overhead is at a certain level. It's just amazing. And there is just something that someone's offering you that it will absolutely change your life. 
And that's really what we're looking for. We're not looking for kind of a break even here. Maybe this is kind of a good deal. We're looking for something that will just completely change your life. And so this is truly, in my opinion, about having that financial plan to understand that, to understand the consequences of all that, having someone guide you through that on your financial and tax planning. Okay, I'm not talking about a Brett or a Christie or anybody else. I'm talking about someone with your financial plan that can understand, okay, you were making a million dollars. Now you're going to go back to 300. They're going to give you this spot of money. So now, even though you got the money, you had to pay tax on it. And now all of a sudden, you're going to have to pull on that amount of money because your lifestyle with three kids still in private school, this money sounds great, but you're going to stop making this X amount of money. You're going to have to pull on the money they just gave you that sounds so incredible. But all of a sudden, your net worth looks great, but it's actually going to start tailing off. And I'm concerned for you. And that's why I don't think the timing is right. And so for someone to take that without emotion and put just the financial return on this decision and to give you a green light is what we are looking for. And I think that's what makes this process so successful is because our Kane Waters clients, they do have a plan. And we are looking at literally hundreds of these deals. And to say this doesn't make sense for you financially, not the partner's not great. Not the money is not great, but financially at this moment in time, it does not make sense. So just understanding from a financial standpoint is first and foremost, you've got to get that. And I think about that, not just in the private equity dollars, but also think about it on any transition. It could be the associate coming to practice. It could be selling to a partner. That is a financial transaction, and you need to make sure you are primed and ready for that. Yep, and clearly we are going to dive way into that here in a minute. But before we get there, right, I think it's important for us to talk about just first why. I think you hit on a little bit that we, me and Brett, will always joke that we say no way more than we say yes primarily because of that financial reason. But there are those where, and I think it's interesting, most people think of the financial first when they think about these deals, but there's so, so much more there. And it's often not the reason people are doing these deals, even though it can be a wonderful incentive. But let's talk about the why, right? What is it that's making you consider this transaction? You know, my go-to is that you're always giving up some function of time, money, and control You do not get all three unless you are an owner, right? Unless you're an owner of your own practice with no other partners, you're that's the only way you're ever going to have time, money, and control. And I would argue that you probably don't have time. So Brett, let's start with you. What do you hear and kind of what type of questions do you talk with these clients as they kind of say, hey, this is something that I might be interested in? Kind of where do you start with them? Yeah, that's a good point. The the most important question probably of the whole thing is, why are you considering a transition? Or similarly, what does a transition solve or provide for you? So there's a variety of reasons that we hear pretty pretty commonly. Some are, in my opinion, are good reasons and some aren't. One is you want help growing your practice. You want some institutional or some operational help growing your practice. We kind of hear that a lot. That's That would be considered kind of a good reason to, to consider a partner. You're tired of administrative burdens or you're seeking some like administrative help. I want to work five years or less. I want to be an orthodontist or a periodontist for five years or less. I really have no viable transition options right now, and I need to start kind of considering that plan. That's a pretty common one as the associate search is sometimes getting a little bit more muddy as the corporate groups kind of keep taking more and more of them. I think it's a market bubble. I think my practice might be worth more now than it ever has been. That's some reasons. Uh, FOMO is probably the most common reason 
that comes up, whether directly or indirectly, which is, as we all know, fear of missing out on something because my neighbor or my friend got a great deal and he's riding off into the sunset. A couple others are money. You know, obviously the money is a big carrot. Like we get this big check and there's all this celebration and I get this big giant happy Gilmore check and I can put it in my in the trunk of my car and I can drive off and be fine. How that money kind of works and how that works in your financial plan. And then, you know, a lot of times it's a risk reward. I want, I have a great thing going on now, but something inside of me says that this may not continue or whatever. So I want to take some chips off the table. You know, those are all reasonable things to think about. And I, I promise you that like, if all of our listeners kind of think about that, they've probably had most of those thoughts at one point or another. And it's easy to get caught up in the emotion of those things and not kind of think about things rationally. And so when those questions come to me, we go through that whole list and really break down like, what are we trying to solve for here? And is that even something that we can solve for? Or is there some other things in the practice that you can do and continue running your practice? Because even financially, if you have a good practice, you're going to make more money if you run the practice for three or four more years and then sell it at its peak. And that's always part of that math problem. So those are the reasons that we kind of flesh out. That's really important for people to know. If all you want is 7x because your friend got 6.5x, I would probably go on a limb and say that's not a great starting point for the conversation, but there's a lot that goes into that. Yeah. And I would also think that some of those reasons that you mentioned, like, you know, I don't want to do anything administratively or I don't want to have to deal with staff anymore. Like some of those don't go away with these deals. I mean, maybe some of that with certain buyers, but sometimes, I mean, you're still the doctor in the office. You're still the big guy who's answering the questions and dealing with the person who's calling in sick and all of those pieces. So I do think that sometimes just kind of talking with you or me or Charles and kind of hearing and understanding that is something that's important. What about you, Charles? What do you got on this? Exactly what you said, Chrissy. The number one thing that I constantly hear is I just don't want to run the office. Like I enjoy dentistry. I enjoy the clinical aspect of it. I just don't want to run it, you know? And so you've got people that are essentially coming in early, staying late, you know, they're doing their own payroll, you know, they're paying their bills uh, that, you know, they are working late on, on the lab and these models and then sending stuff off to this aligner group. And so essentially they're just not working efficiently and then the people and the admin. And so the lure is that all of that just goes away. And, and the reality is they're a company that's coming in and buying you. If you're the seller, they are going to oversee and take some of those responsibilities away from you. But make no mistake about it, there's not like a corporate person that's just sitting there on site that's managing people. So that part, I promise you, as a gray hair person and been managing people for a long time, that is the hardest part in this process is to manage people. That's the stress that we all have. And it's like kids, it's difficult. That's the part that wears on you the most. When I hear that stress, you know, it's like, okay, that's not going to go away. But these other things that you're doing, like, you're doing it wrong. Like, absolutely. Stop doing some of these things like farm that out, farm that out, farm that out, you know, for a few thousand extra dollars and just have that system done. That's going to help relieve, you know, some of this. They always start there with that's the stress. I don't care what the financial thing is. Just get me out of here. And that's always a bad place to start when there's a problem. You want to sell your business. Things are running just magically because things are just going really well. And it's just going to value so much more. And it's going to be an easier transition to the private equity group. If they're going to like you more, they're going to see all this during this interview. So I see a lot on that emotional side. Yep. Now I want to add that like this to me, people do this and have this conversation because they think about it one time. 
That's like deciding you're going to have a kid because one day you woke up and were like, yeah, I think I'm going to have a kid without thinking about it, without figuring out what kind of car you're going to drive, without babysitting a kid ever, without going and talking to some of your friends who have kids. Like this is a major life decision. You worked hard to get where you are. You've practiced maybe 10, 20, 30 years, however long you've kind of been in practice. This has been kind of your world. And for me, understanding kind of what's happening next and kind of like, why are you wanting to do this? That is such an important piece of this. This is as big of a life decision as any other kind of personal life decision you're making. I know it's a business decision and that's why you need someone to help take the emotion out of it a little bit. And that's what we do. But at the same time, you got to think about it more than just, I went and listened to a webinar or I got a letter and it fired me up because of the EBITDA. Brett, what about you? Kind of, what do you feel like is an additional kind of piece on this regarding the why? Yeah, we're, you know, we may be coming off a little critical right now, but it's because it's a really critical decision. And so these things all need to be thought about very, very critically. And as we're talking about, you know, a common theme is like wanting the to release some of the administrative burdens that we have. That's where a team of people who understand the industry and understand the buyers is so, so important. There is no one size fits all. There are hundreds of these companies out there and they all take certain things on and they don't take certain things on. They, do, they help you administratively in some ways and they don't in some ways. Some of them are very strong, have a very strong infrastructure and some of them don't. And so whether you use us or another advisor or anybody, you need somebody who understands what the options are. You don't just have to marry the first girl you date. You got to figure out what all the different options are. Research what it is that you're actually trying to solve for. If it's just payroll because you have a bad payroll person and you can change that person out and that solves like 90% of like your concern, then it's probably doesn't make any sense. But this is where you need someone who understands the players and understands what they all do because it's not just cut and dry. Oh, I sold to corporate. That doesn't even mean anything. There's all different variations of that. And look, I know you're not going to toot your own horn, Brett, but I mean, you've done an incredible job of that exact process. And I know that, you know, we did this Zoom meeting the other night and talking about picking your partner. And I think that you've done just, like I said, just incredible of meeting the various players out there so that when we are taking this person to this private equity event that you've interviewed the client thoroughly, know exactly what they're looking for. And so that that fit is met. And it's not always about who is paying the most money. It's, it's that fit. It's that partnership. You really hammer that home. And uh, I think that's a vital role that you bring to this organization is all those relationships and knowing when it makes sense for the individual. So Christy has her department. You've got your department. But I think that, you know, as a listener, you're going down this road, picking that right partner and knowing kind of what you're looking for. We talked about, you know, I want to free up some time. I want, you know, the most money. I want someone that's going to help me grow. I want to invest in something and get another private equity of buy-in, moving fear. That's going to help me with this group, the financial outcome, all those things. We're certainly going to take a look and But man, partnering is absolutely the most important part of this process. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the deal structure and different types of buyers in part two of this series. And, you know, example, if you want more control, right, than someone who may be kind of one of those more emerging buyers that doesn't really have a big structure in place, it's going to allow you to maybe stay and keep doing the same stuff, right? Because there are those of you out there that want to keep control, right? You like that you can make the decisions and run the day-to-day and kind of keep your hands in all the pots. There's a buyer for you too. So I agree. So kind of figuring out your why helps you figure out who your buyer pool is and then kind of allows us to kind of then fine tune and pick and kind of be more selective with who we're shopping your deal to. So, okay. So let's say we talk to someone, we understand that they know their why, right? Their why passes our sniff test 
And then we move on to second, which is, are you ready to do this, right? You might know that you want to, and you might know your why, but are you ready? Charles, you kind of alluded to this earlier. First and foremost, right? This is your cash cow. This is the thing that's kind of keeping you and your lifestyle afloat. Are you ready financially? Charles, take us through kind of how you assess that and kind of what are some key factors they're going to want to look at. Yeah, so I won't rehash the the financial planning part. So that's obviously very important. But the other thing that you want to make sure that you're just absolutely hitting all cylinders on is just the efficiency of the practice, just the overhead itself. And so I always start with having really good accounting. So they're going to look at your books. They're going to ask a million questions. And so you need to make sure you're financially ready. Is your practice ready? And to be able to you know, have all answers to questions for them. So a lot of times I tell people, this could be, if you're going to sell a practice, and, and let me give you a great example. I spoke to an orthodontist yesterday and really nice, really nice guy. He's just struggling. He's just struggling. And it's a $2 million practice, which typically would be primed for a private equity person to come and say, I'm interested. But the overhead, and I cannot make this up, was 80%, 80%. And he didn't have clean financial statements. He's not looking at you know, lab and supply. He's not looking at production. And he's not looking at case acceptance. There's no monitors. There's, and he's tired. And so you know, in this example, when you think about are you ready, you're not ready. You know, emotionally, you may be ready. And we'll talk about emotions. But I mean, his practice wasn't ready. So we've got to start with, I know you're tired, but let's clean all your financial things up. Let's make sure, yes, your financial plan is ready. Let's make it because, you know, I try to tell people that, you know, are you ready or not? You know, if your overhead's a little bit high, you have to think of it as for every dollar of overhead, you're not really managing. It could be six to $10 of value. If you're selling to an associate, your practice may value it at 60%, could value it at 90%. So businesses are valued on cash. So you need to be prepared. And that may take a year or two. You can't just let the emotions say, I'm tired. I don't feel good. I got a letter. And this is now all I'm going to let's move forward. So I always say first, your financial plan is, is dictating. Second is your business. Clean financial statements, amazing overhead, and you know, looking for the partner that can bring in to help kind of grow the practice in certain areas. So you can see that you're at a level you can't do more. and They're going to bring that on. You want to be able to ride with them and take advantage of kind of their skill set, you know, that you're going to be bringing to the table. And then ultimately, you have to be asking all the questions as far as what you're giving up, how long you're going to work. And, and so that's a lot of, you know, part of the deal. And I know Brett will cover a lot of that a little bit today and, and a lot more in upcoming episodes we've got planned. Yep. And I think, uh, you know, Brett and I set um, in on another call yesterday for one of our current clients. And what I think some people don't understand is, like you said, understanding your business, right? What some people don't understand is that for some of these buyers, there's multiple levels of financial diligence, right? So there's the first level, which is what we're going to do to prepare your financials and kind of present your deal and kind of make sure that we understand your numbers. Um, There's a second review by the buyers and just kind of on surface There's probably a third level internally there at the buyer. And then there's a fourth level, which is what some buyers do, which is kind of called a quality of earnings, right? Where they engage another firm to then kind of go back into your financials. Understanding your numbers and having them be clean is so, so critical, not only just for ownership and knowing your business, but also then for this process, whether it's for a private buyer, but specifically for these corporate transitions. I know, Brett, you and I were kind of just shaking our head at a few of the questions that we were kind of listening to of, 
back in 2017, you spent $17,000 on this. What was that for, right? And luckily, our client was amazingly prepared and knew their business and, and kind of could answer those questions. But it just kind of, I think, continues to prove and show how much those clean financials and having your house in order, not only personally, right? Like, you know, like you spoke about earlier in the episode of like, can I retire? And what does that my net worth look like? And what does my payday look like? And then what do, what do I need to make as I move forward to keep this current lifestyle? I think those are really, really important questions. And then understanding your business too, so that you can adequately sell it, right? These buyers are corporate. They're big businesses. They have a lot of backing and they want partners too who understand their business, right? You're going to be partnering with these people. So I think it's important that you take on that kind of mentality too. This is not selling for most of you, right? Every deal is a little different, but for most people, this is not selling and walking away and moving on and not having to think about your business again. This is partnering with another institution to help grow and, and further your business. So Brett, anything to add there? Yeah. On the financial side, there's there's a few things there. And like, it sounds like it's complicated. You need clean financials. You need to know what the heck's happening in your business. I know a lot of our doctors kind of pride themselves in not knowing what's happening at every level of the business because they don't want to be involved with all of it. That is totally fine. We're not saying you have to understand every dollar on every little thing, but that's also what we help you with. You know, Christy has an unbelievable team of analysts upstairs that will kind of guide through this whole process in terms of like, you know, if you expect somebody to buy something without understanding what they're buying, it's just not going to happen. And so it's our goal to not only help you understand your practice and what you need, but for, the, for us to help the buyer understand that as well in the most favorable light possible. So on the financial side, yeah, debt matters, lifestyle matters, taxes matter, understanding your practice matters. And we're kind of here to help you understand all of those things together in conjunction with your financial professional to see if the deal works for you. Yep, absolutely. Leads us to kind of this other area, the more softer side, again, kind of the point of this whole episode, a little bit of the emotional, are you ready? You know, I think this is something that I think most of our clients probably spend less time prior to talking to us thinking about. And some of them, I don't think it kind of starts to kind of kick in until after they're already started through the process. But the emotional side of are you ready? Brett, let's talk about that a little bit and kind of how we approach that and kind of what our experience is and what type of questions we need to be able to ask and answer. Yeah, I'm a very sensitive person. So this part gets me particularly excited. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a couple things. There's like, you know, are you emotionally ready on the strategic side? And by that, I mean, is your practice growing? Are you in the midst of some significant growth? Do you need to be the one who receives the majority of the benefit for that? It's not typically advisable to sell a business that is on the extreme upside. Can you understand if the great year was repeatable or was that growth maximized? You know, then as Charles said, are there any easy things you can do to increase profitability? And so when we go, once we get past the strategy part, which is really important, like we really need to talk about the strategy of your business. What's the overall projection of your business? And just because your buddy sold yesterday, that doesn't mean his practice is in the same place as yours. So kind of like removing the emotion from that part. In terms of, you know, kind of like your life after the sale, are you emotionally ready to go through with it? It's kind of like, you know, are you comfortable working just as hard and getting less compensation than you're used to? Um, you're totally used to getting 100% of the upside of your practice. In exchange for not getting 100% of the upside of your practice, you have received a significant amount of money on the front side. You just have to understand that moving forward that you aren't going to be scraping all the profit at the end of the day. Are you emotionally ready to, ex to accept that? Can you give up any control? 
what do you want to give up? What do you want to keep? You can't usually have your cake and eat it too here. Like if you want to, you can't just want to make the decisions when you want to make the decisions. And that's kind of what we get to in the, in the administrative assistance of these of these different buyers. You know, and you need to feel like you're riding off into the sunset. There's a lot of things here emotionally, you know, that matter in terms of the deal. The deal is the deal. And like, we're going to get you the most monetary value possible. But Charles said this really well earlier, you know, sometimes the most money isn't the best fit, right? If I can get you $100,000 more, but your life is miserable for three years, I would say that's not a good fit, you know, but we're leaving $100,000 on the table in some, in some people's minds. And so, you know, you need to be emotionally ready to know that like, yes, it still is your practice and it's still like, it's still kind of your baby. And most of these DSOs don't come in and like change everything, but you have a partner. It's not just you. And that's a big shift. You know, a lot of our guys don't do real well with oversight <laughs> with, with boss. A lot of our guys haven't had bosses in 30 years. And I'm not saying this is going to mean you have a boss, but you're going to have a partner that you definitely need to answer to. So, you know, there, there's a lot there. We get a lot out of this kind of in the initial call. Are you actually ready for this? And do you actually want to do this? And it kind of goes back to part one about the why, but there's a lot of things there. And I think Charles can probably elaborate a little bit more too. Yeah. I, I love doing these interviews and I know that all three of us are on these interviews with these doctors and it's like, you can just shake it out to like, you're not ready. Like this is not for you. You know, you can just see there's so strong wills like, yeah, I got it. You've got a $3 million practice. I got that you have this, but you are so strong willed and still want control. And you're asking well, why would I do this? And why I agree. So don't do it. You know, so they have to be in that space, that, that fine balance of financial, that fine balance of still want to be a driver, the fine balance of willing to give up the control, willing to overcome the fact that they just spent $100,000 or $200,000 on the finish out or willing to give up, like you said, Brett, the practice is growing. And I feel like we should wait a year or two before the profit actually hits to where it should be because the production is up and, you know, the collections, you know, it's going to, it's going to hit their next year. So why can't they just pay me for that? So there's all this emotion that is, is going into this and we're just trying to remove it and trying to help them say, Hey, really not pushing them one way or just being like a, a true consultant, a counselor, taking the information in, repeating it back to people and letting them kind of make their own decision. But at the same time, this is all emotionally driven. I mean, I go back to my $2 million ortho guy and it was sad. I, it, you know, I could see the, at a Zoom call, I feel for the guy, you know, like when you're, when you're talking to somebody and they're sad and you can feel it and it just, it's real to you and you want to help that person. And they just want to like get out, you know, the best probably analogy I can think about is like when you're talking to somebody and you're happy in your marriage and someone's sad and they're telling you and it's like, it just sucks. And there's this emotional part and you're like, bro, I love you. Like, I want to help you, you know, but you can't either exit out, you know, and do the divorce when or this, or in this case, you can't get rid of the practices. It's just not time. And then you got the other, the extreme guy that is so freaking over the top, control, 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 and has this great super doctor practice. And they're just not, I don't care what the dollar amount is. They talk on one side of their mouth about the money and the money and the money and why, 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 and then the money sounds great. But they are so controlling that we see it and that their partner is going to see that. And man, we are wasting each other's time, all of our time, our time, their time. And certainly, you know, the value of these DSOs that are coming in that we partner with. And I think these DSOs absolutely love us when we're involved. 
because we bring clean financial statements. We bring ready buyers, both emotionally and financially, to the table. And now it's just a matter of putting a reasonable and fair transaction together and finding kind of that right partner and the right number that works for everybody. And that's what I love about it. I mean, it's this part of the business is is fun, you know, to help people with these major life decisions that involve every aspect, uh, you know, of the deal. And I think I'm a little bit like Fred. I think I have a little bit of emotional side. I got a little emotional just talking about No, you guys are like the tallest, uh, biggest people in certainly this call, but I think generally that I know, and you're both the big old teddy bears. So uh, I agree. I think that for me, right, and Brett and I talk about this all the time, all the glitters is not gold and that check, right, that big check that you deposit that's going to go probably in some investment account and start earning you some money. It is impressive how quickly sometimes it's forgotten how big that check was, right, because they don't put enough thought into kind of what their life's going to be like. And I think some people get it. Some people are doing it because like, you know, Brett mentioned at the beginning of this episode, there's people who know that there's not a readily available transition plan and having it right and pulling out the equity, even though they know they're committing to three or four years at a lower salary, takes the stress of thinking about five years from now off of their plate. And so they can enjoy these last years without stressing over how they're going to find their buyer and transition or whatever it might be, because maybe they're in a harder area or their practice is just hard to transition for whatever reason. So I think that there are both sides of this coin. This can be an incredible opportunity. It can be such a fun thing to do, but you just kind of have to be in the right space. Brett, did you have something else you wanted to add? Yeah. A couple little kind of tricks that I use. I mean, if every day after a transition, you're going to go to work and compare that day and how much you made that day to how you would have had your day and how much you would have made prior to a transition. If every day you're going to compare that, you are absolutely not ready. Things are going to be different. You need to take a positive look into like into the future, understanding all the things that you've got. That comparative happiness is just not, that's just not the way to do it. And so I'm going to ask you a lot of tough questions. I'm going to ask you very direct questions about all this emotional stuff. Like, what are you actually looking for? What do you need? Are you ready for this? Are you not ready for this? And I'm agnostic either way. I just want to know. And if somebody doesn't ask you those questions, if whoever you're working with doesn't ask you those questions, that's a red flag to me because this is all about what you need and what works for you, not what works for me or what works for us. And so I'm going to ask you those questions. You can be as honest with me or not, and I can help find like what that solution is for you. And you know, a lot of times, a lot of these calls, like we go through these questions and they're not ready and that is completely fine, which is a little bit of a difference maker for us, I believe, because most of this game is kind of run by people who just want you to sell so they can, you know, kind of make some commission off of you. And it's not all sunshine and fairy tales. We get paid for what we do and we deserve every bit of it, but we're here to help you guys first and make that transaction go smoothly by understanding more about you than the transaction. You alluded to this too, right? If your practice is on, on a growth curve up, you probably are not going to want to sell right now unless you also understand that you're not going to get paid for whatever it's going to be two or three years from now, right? That buyer is buying your practice because they see that too and they want that growth, right? So you can't, we can't be resentful about the buyer and kind of what they're going to make off of you, quote, quote, using air quotes in the future, right? That doesn't create a healthy partnership either. So I totally agree with you, Brad. I think that's an incredible point. Okay. So let's say that we have this call and they give us the perfect reason for the why, and they have an amazing financial plan, and they totally understand that they're going to not be the owner anymore, and they are ready. What do we say next, right? Where do we tell a client to go? 
What are the next steps? How do they prepare themselves to kind of start this process? Brett, let's start with you. And then Charles, definitely want to hear your thoughts too. Well, first and foremost, it sounds like they've listened to the first episode, but let's hope they've listened to episode two, three, and four, as we are going to cover like all of the primary objectives and the primary principles of kind of how these deals work. And the reason that's important is because the more educated you come in on the call, and the more, the more kind of self-reflection, the more analysis you've done, the quicker that we can get a deal done or the quicker we can understand that a deal doesn't make sense or that a deal does make sense. I would also implore them to meet with their financial planner, whether it's Kane Waters or anybody else, just to kind of see if you can even afford to sell the business. Based on your debt situation, you know, we, need to, we need to talk about that. And then you need to contact us and let us know and let us understand what is, what is reasonable. I know um, I have to know what you need. We have to know what you need and we have to know what you want to have a better chance of getting it. And so doing some of that self-reflection and, we're, and we'll help you get there too. Like you don't have to have all this fleshed out, obviously, but there are tons of different levers to pull in these transactions. We can do a variety of different things, but we need to know kind of like what is in it for you and like what you're looking for, because if you just want 6x because your buddy got five, that's just comparative happiness. And that's not exactly kind of, that might not be what you need. I need you to determine like, what is the value of your practice to you, whether it's emotional or a financial number, because then I can get there. Then we can get there. So it's basically do all your homework ahead of time. Listen to all these podcasts, consume all the content that we have, however you like to consume it, and then contact us and, you know, you'll have a little bit of a game plan set up and we can finalize that game plan. Just coming from with goals. Yeah, I would say, you know, when I started in this episode, one of the first things I opened up with is if I look at the three people on the squadcast today, this group right here, we literally review between a thousand and fifteen hundred transactions a year. So what we're saying is you're either a buyer trying to buy a business, you're a seller that wants a value, you're a seller that has an associate and you want to create some type of equity position for them, you're a seller that's gonna sell to somebody else, you're a Brett that's on the interviewing literally, you know, all of these DSOs and private equity groups to understand that part of it, having conversations with it. it's Christy leading her team on that. So no matter what, like of these early calls, like we're just trying to understand it. So I, if I'm interviewing you to help when you buy the business, if I'm interviewing you that you want to become a Cane Waters client, I'm interviewing you if you want to go down this road on private equity. We're kind of all doing the same thing. We're fact gathering information to see if there's a fit. Let's take the financial plan out of it. First thing I'm going to do is just ask for your financials. I'm just, and I don't, I'm not talking about your net worth statement. I'm just, let's take a look at your tax returns. Let's take a look at your, you know, profit and loss statements of your business. And the first thing I want to start doing is setting expectations. Are you realistic? You know, are you realistic that your $3 million business is worth $6 million? It could be. It could be if you're a orthodontic practice with a low overhead, you know, it may not be if you're a GP practice with a 65% overhead and you're a super doctor that you refer nothing out with a bunch of high real estate costs. So there's everybody is going to be different. So first and foremost thing that we're doing is just having this early conversation with you, getting the information, listening to your expectations, setting expectations, and essentially making sure part of this thousand plus people that we're screening where do you fit? What service do you need to guide you through your transition, regardless of where you are in your life from buyer to seller that's going to the associate, seller that's going to go 100% sell outright, or the seller that is going to maybe sell to a, a DSOP now, or a strategy that we put together 
that maybe creates that event in the next three to four years. And that's where, Christy, your team helps with cleaning up all those financials. I've talked about the importance of having really good accounting that you can, you know, measure your supply lab, you know, employee costs, focus on where you can do, do some projections out. I think when you see all that information, you're extremely motivated on kind of what that future is. And that's so important early on is listening in and figuring out on that factor and then guiding you to what you need to go do. This may be a journey for us together where we're doing this over months, or it could be a journey where I'm helping a buyer buy a business and that journey is going to be building their wealth for the next, next 30 years. So it's just super important to kind of think about where you are in, in your space and don't rush into this and really have some realistic goals in front of you. And then let's take kind of a step back like a marathon and let's, we know it's going to be difficult. And so let's now train for it so that, you know, not that we just finished, but we finished with a good time. Yep. Absolutely. Completely agree. And I mean, at that last point, number three in this series, we're going to talk about how to maximize your value. And that can be value, however you kind of want to, um, however you want to think about value, but primarily financially. And I think that that's a key thing. Um, Too often in the transition world, we aren't thinking about transition. We aren't thinking about transition. We aren't thinking about transition. And then we want to transition tomorrow or maybe yesterday. And we don't really have the time or the ability to help figure out how we could have changed the practice or what we could have done to really kind of create something that gets you a little bit more bang for your buck. You know, most of these buyers, and this goes across the board, especially the more corporate buyers, they don't want to buy a transition and decline or a practice and decline. They want to see a stable, healthy practice where you've paid attention to what is going in and out of your business. And so whether that is you know, lowering your overhead and and hiring practice management consultants or getting Brett's company EDA in to help lower that overhead, whether it's hiring Kane Waters to figure out your plan. If you can think about this three to five years ahead and not have the FOMO that Brett talked about where you're, you know, fearful, you're going to miss out. And so you have to do it now. Be confident in the industry you've chosen, be confident in yourself and really kind of they do this thoughtfully. I think it can be kind of a really, really good thing that can you can kind of, you really can squeeze more juice out of the tomato for the how the old saying goes to really get more in this situation. So, before I uh, wrap us up today, boys, anything else to to kind of uh, end on here? It's never too early to start thinking about your transition plan. That doesn't mean you have to start transitioning, but it's never too early. That you know what. After my work for my next 10 years, what do I actually want to do with this thing? It's never too early to start thinking about that. It's often too late, but it's very, it's never too early. That's just kind of what I'm dealing with. Yeah, I, I use this in the transition lectures that I do. I know you do as well, Christy, but you know, if you, you own a business, this is a stock. So at some point in this relationship, you're a endodontist that does six canals a day. You're a, a GP that's stuck at a million three. You could be stuck at 35 years old and own a business at 1.3 and then retire and, uh, you know, 30 plus years from now, and then take that million three practice and then eventually let it go down and then sell it for $500,000 at the very end, or you can sell bits and pieces of it along the way. There is a financial return that you have that's in front of you. And if you can see that, you can see the benefit of pulling the equity out, either on the transition or by, you know, transitioning out to a private equity. This is a financial event. 
just need to see it and plan for it. I do have a, a, a kind of a closing thought. Christy, do you remember uh, just over two and a half years now when we first started this podcast that I went into your office? Do you remember what I said before we started this podcast? I'm tired of saying the same S over and over again. I'm tired of saying the same thing over and over again. <laughs> and so this conversation is just over and over again. It's no the goal of this, I mean, selfishly, I hate to say this, listeners, but this is a little bit for you and not for us. This is prior to us having calls with you that our team is actually going to say, I need you to commit to whatever, two hours of listening time to to this group. It's so important that you get the foundation of your why. So we don't have hour, hour and a half calls, you know, just talking about one thing. We want to. I want to build that relationship with you. But it's important that you read the book before us talking about the book together. Uh, if not, you're a little bit lost. So, you know, we all kind of talked about this is continuing to happen. Let's just get together, the three of us, and, and put this series together. So I am pumped. And thank you always, Christy, for keeping us on track, being the perfect organizer and the interviewer. And this is hard to do sometimes. We get three people all together, and we're not all talking over each other. And uh, I just hats off to to you and your skill set and, and uh, Brett, you know, we're, we're big old teddy bears and we let, we let Christy kind of run our life and I'm okay with that. I will, uh, keeping you two without talking over each other. If anyone's ever talked to Charles or Brett, you know, that's a, that's my top skill there. But, uh, but no, thank you guys so much. Um, this is series, this is part one. So again, a four part series, where we're going to talk about corporate transitions. Part two is going to be all about the deal. We're going to talk about the structure of the deal, who the players are, kind of what are some key terms and key terminology that you need to know. Number three in the series, again, how to maximize your value to kind of get the most out of whatever deal. Uh, ends up being the right one for you. And then part four, how to get it done, how to negotiate and how to really close it down. Getting the offer is is hard, but getting it closed and kind of getting to the closing table and getting those, those funds is the more challenging part. So we'll tackle that. If you weren't aware, part one and part two drop today. So you can listen to both of those and we'll be dropping the next two next week. So part three and four next week. Thanks for listening. Lots of good stuff. Thank you guys both so much. If you haven't already, subscribe on Transition Talk and listen to us wherever you listen to your podcast. So have a great week. Until next time, friends. Thanks, guys.